The following is a presentation of Ralphie Report Radio. Pins up a defender, stays on his feet, he dies forward to the end zone! Touchdown! Touchdown, Colorado! Oh, Philip Lindsay! Looking deep, airing it deep, he's got a man out there, it's Fields! And Shea Fields all the way for the touchdown! Your source for the Colorado Buffaloes and the Pac-12 Conference. I need you right now. Everyone, welcome into the Ralphie Report podcast. I'm your host, Jack Stern. Today, we're going to talk everything buffs. We're going to recap the season opening blowout of the Colorado State Rams, where the buffs won 45 13. Saw a lot of really good things in that game. We're also going to talk about how the other teams in the fiery Pac 12 South did in their opening weekend. And then we're going to talk a little bit Nebraska, obviously, with the game against the Cornhuskers coming up and all the excitement about this renewed rivalry. We're going to have to talk a little bit about that. We're going to discuss what the rivalry means to the coaches and the players on this team. We're going to talk a little bit about Nebraska and what their team has to offer. Obviously, it's important to talk about them considering that they didn't even play a game in week one. Their game against Akron was canceled due to lightning and weather circumstances in Lincoln. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the betting line. The line just moved another point in Nebraska's favor right before I came on the air. So I think that's another thing that's important to talk about. And we have an exciting show today, and I thank you for joining us. So with that, let's get to it. Friday, the Buffs came out in fiery fashion. They scored three touchdowns on their opening three drives. And guess what? None of these drives lasted more than two and a half minutes. Their first drive was a minute 57. Their second was just under two minutes. And their third drive was two minutes and 29 seconds. So this was an offense that came out with a bang. And they were doing it a bunch of different ways, too. They had guys lining up in the backfield. They had people. They had some deep ball action going on. And they also had some a great running game, which really got going against the CSU Rams. Now, obviously, the Rams aren't the be- weren't the best test for the Buffs, and th- they will be tested, especially with some talented defenses on their roster. I think Nebraska's defense is going to lo- be a lot better and much better litmus test for this team, and obviously, they're going to have to face on against a Washington Huskies defense that always ranks among the best in the nation, so that'll be something that's inevitably an interesting thing to keep an eye on going forward, but... It was very encouraging to see the mentality in this Buffs team during opening weekend. I mean, last year there were times when it felt like this roster had lost focus a little bit. Maybe this was a little bit of a byproduct of the number of seniors they had on the roster combined with the successful season they had in 2016 where they won 10 games and shocked the world making the first Pac-12 championship game in school history so I think that definitely factored into it but these young guys man they played fast they played hungry and the results really showed out on Friday so that was something that was good to see obviously LaVishka Chenault and KD Nixon came out with a bang in their respected debuts the two DeSoto boys who 
We're both part of the same recruiting class, went to the same high school, and have known each other since fourth grade. So that was something cool to see in that regard as well. And the offense, Trayvon McMillian had a great debut. He had a really good touchdown run, which effectively put the game away late in the third quarter. So they were really firing from all different cylinders on offense on Friday, which was something that was um, very reassuring for Buffs fans. And that was good. And with that, let's get to talking about how the other Pac-12 teams did in their opening games, mainly the teams in the South. Just a reminder, later on we'll be dissecting this rivalry, rivalry excuse me, with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, talking about what it means for the team, giving a little bit of a preview on what their rosters looks like. And then we'll talk about how the Buffs have to go about if they want to come away with the win on Saturday, an upset win. And we'll talk a little bit about the betting line and that what that means for the game as well. Now, everyone was expecting the UCLA Bruins to take a step forward this year with such a talented past few recruiting classes. Chip Kelly at the helm as head coach and a very talented roster as well. But that wasn't the case. Now, quarterback Wilton Spate left the game early on with a back injury and gave way to True freshman quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who was uh, ranked as the second-best dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school last year, and a very highly touted guy. Now, I mean, they kind of lived and died on his arms and legs, so to speak, in their game. I mean, their defense played well enough to win, only giving up 23 points to the Cincinnati Bearcats, but their offense really stuttered. I mean, Thompson, he struggled in his decision-making, the ball was coming out of his hand a little bit wobbly. He was getting happy feet, kind of in the same way that Steven Montez was last year in the pocket. So he just had a very underwhelming debut in his opening weekend. Now, he definitely was hurt by a couple of drops, especially a big one on third down, which was went right through the hands of uh, Caleb Wilson, the tight end, who pretty much was Josh Rosen's safety blanket during his time in UCLA. So that was something that wasn't good, and they just look rusty, that UCLA team. But this is good news for the Buffs. They have a tough matchup next weekend against the Oklahoma Sooners, who are the number seven ranked team in the country. They have a tough, they have a tough schedule, and they look, they quite honestly didn't look like a very intimidating team. So, I mean, this is all good. Um, a lot of people expected them to immediately contend simply because of their head coaching situation. That's kind of the reason they got rid of Jim Moore in the first place, right? He was kind of that coach who could help drive the train, but he was going to only drive it so far, so to speak. He went 6-6 six and six last year. They were 4-8 and eight the year before, even though they didn't have Rosen. They really just struggled. They, weren't, they, they, they couldn't take their game to the next level. I think that's really what the problem is. So we saw a lot of that out of them in their game against Cincinnati, and that's why they got upset, which was huge. Now another team that got upset and another team that people expected to be one of the Buffs' biggest hurdles this year, the Arizona Wildcats. They played the BYU Cougars with Heisman Trophy candidate and flashy quarterback Khalil Tate under center. But guess what? They didn't look very good either. Now, I mean, look, no one expected Tate to stand back there and be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or uh, as a Pac-12 comparison, an appropriate Pac-12 comparison would be Andrew Luck for that matter either. But people expected him to 
improve from his throwing with the whole offseason and a guy like Kevin Sumlin who was pretty much brought in to elevate his performance and he was expected to make an impact from the ground as well. Not only did BYU st- contain him in the passing game, so to speak, except for that final drive by the Wildcats where they were trying to where they kind of came back and too, it was too little too late they brought the game within 3 points. But he also had less rushing yards than Bo Bisharat, the Buffalo's third or fourth string, rather, running back. That definitely wasn't something that was assuring for Wildcat fans to see. And early on, these two teams look very beatable. Now, I know that, look, the Buffs don't play the Wildcats until later in the season. And that's a November game in Tucson, in the desert, which is, again, a place where pretty much anything goes. I mean, it's, it's a hard place to win, let's be honest. And they probably will improve. That was probably a little bit of an opening game slump. But all of a sudden, with the Buffs being able to potentially come away with victories against these two teams, they've emerged as a dark horse candidate in the Pac-12 South and a team that's looking more and more likely that they'll eventually make a bowl game. All right, I, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but just, just, just bear with me. USC is starting a freshman quarterback. For much of the first half, they struggled against UNLV, which is an FCS school in the Mountain West. And Utah, I mean, look, Utah looked great in their opening match. Out of all the teams in the Pac-12 South, I think they looked among the best. And the Arizona State Sun Devils had a blowout win as well. But, I mean, the Buffs had a very commanding victory as well. And you know, anything goes. It's very early on in the season here, and Colorado's looking good. And two of the teams that were expected to finish in front of them are looking poor. So these are, these are all things that are going to help them. And I look forward to seeing how they fare against these teams in the immediate future. Remember, their game against UCLA is only three weeks away now. And UCLA, they don't have any really gimme games on the schedule like the Buffs do. After they go to Lincoln, the Buffs return home and play New Hampshire in a game that they're very much so expected to win. I mean, New Hampshire lost to Maine, the University of Maine, an FCS school, 35-7 to in their opening weekend. So, I mean, that's kind of a gimme game on the Buffs schedule. And after that, they have two home games. And remember, in college football, playing on, playing on your home turf is everything. So I think that's going to help them as well against a talented Arizona State team and UCLA as well. Now let's get to the rivalry. I know that's something that's on everyone's mind. Even before the opening matchup against CSU, everyone was looking forward to the... When you looked at the buff schedule, everyone was looking forward to the Nebraska Cornhuskers game. And why, you may ask? Because this was a rivalry for many years for the Buffs. They haven't played a game against Nebraska since 2010. They haven't won a game against the Cornhuskers in Lincoln since 2004. Yet, for the, in the 1980s and the 1990s, this was one of the biggest rivalries in college football. So let's get, it, let's get into the Cornhuskers roster, because as it stands right now, the Cornhuskers are five-and-a-half-point favorites, which to me is amazing, considering that they haven't even played a game yet. I mean... 
They have a true freshman quarterback in Adrian Martinez. But they do have some very good wide receivers. I'll say that much. They're returning their best wideout from last year, Stan- senior Stanley Morgan. They have J.D. Spielman, who was their second best receiver last year. And they have Mike Williams, who's a JUCO transfer with a ton of promise. So just like CSU, they have some promising pass catchers. And talking about this from the Buffs' perspective, I think that this is going to be a huge test for cornerback Deldrick Abrams, who is flying all over the field in his Colorado debut in the showdown. I mean, he fits the bill for a McIntyre cornerback, right? He's six foot three, 185 pounds, long arms, physical. He reminds me a lot of Akello Witherspoon when he originally showed up to Boulder. So I think he's gonna be, he can potentially be a lockdown corner for years to come. But he's going to need to face a little bit of a more talented offense and do it a little bit more on a consistent basis if he wants to be seen as such. He undoubtedly does have the potential. I don't think that's a question in anyone's mind, but we need to see it a little bit more. So that's one thing with him. But, I mean, the Cornhuskers definitely have a talented offense, and this is going to be another really good test, a much better test, rather, for the Buffs' defense and how they fare against this offense. And their offensive line, the Cornhuskers' offensive line, features three seniors at the five positions. So they definitely have some experience there. And the Buffs have some inexperience on their defensive line with Israel Antoine, the true freshman, and Mustafa Johnson, the, the uh, sophomore transfer on the other side. So that's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare in the trenches. Now, one guy who I cannot wait to get on the, see get on the field against Nebraska, sophomore Nate Landman, 16 tackles, Nine solo against the Rams. And he had the lone interception. I mean, this is a guy, he had the lone interception. This is a guy who whenever I got to watch him at practice, he was flying over all over the field. He was always around the ball. And when I saw the ball tipped up in the air in the showdown, guess who came down with it? Yeah, you, you, you got it right. I mean, he's, he's going to be arguably the biggest key to the game, at least on the defensive side of the football for Colorado. So that's something that I'm going to be looking for. Now, getting to this, what this rivalry means for both teams, keep in mind that the players on each team, as talked about today and co- by Coach McIntyre at his press conference, the players on both teams were in fourth grade the last, two, the last time Nebraska and Colorado matched up. And that was back when they were both in the Pac-10. Now, they they both respectively split up. Colorado went to the Pac-12. And they struggled. There was some growing pains there when they first reached the Pac-12. They've only reached the championship game once. They finished last a number of years. Under Embry, John Embry and, and Dan Hawkins, they really struggled to establish themselves as a program. So they really did sh- I mean it's it's been a rough it's been a rough go at it for them for them. They were in the big both teams were in the Big 12, excuse me. I said the Pac-12. I meant the Big 12 before splitting off. Nebraska went to the Big 10 where they once again have established themselves as a powerhouse. Now, look, I know they kind of took a step back last season were 4 and 8 struggled against all the other teams in the Big 10. But after hiring Scott Frost, a guy who took a 
Central Florida team that won no games one season to a bowl game the next year and then to an undefeated season the year after that. This is a guy who works wonders. He's like a genie. So this is a program that's really trying to get back on track, and I think they're going to do so. But it's interesting to look at this game from the vantage point of two teams who once played in the same conference and just to look at their progress since they were in that conference, all right? So, I mean, with Nebraska, they've done well. With Colorado, they haven't. Colorado's program is looking like they're finally turning a corner, so to speak, with all these young, talented players. And Nebraska's looking to reestablish themselves as well. So looking at it as a game between two teams that are kind of trying to make a comeback, this is, this is a big deal. Now, as far as the betting line goes, let's talk about that. And then we'll talk a little bit about the keys to beating Nebraska, so to speak. And then, I'll, then we'll wrap it up and talk about final thoughts on the rivalry and what I, how I expect this team to come in. But as far as the betting line goes, the Buffs are right now five and a half point underdogs. And they're going to take that underdog mantra in. Believe me, this team is, is, is riding it right now. They understand a lot of people underestimate them, which is why their catchphrase all training camp long has been, nothing to say, a lot to prove. And they carried that mantra into Friday night as well. But the line, I, I expect it to be a close game. When it, and Coach Mack talked about this a little bit in the opening week when asked about how having a week zero game might have helped the Rams. It helps to iron out the kinks in week one. Even though the Buffaloes looked outstanding and there weren't really many things that came on full display that were poor about the performance. There were some penalties, some sloppiness on special teams, some times on offense where they didn't capitalize as well as they possibly could have. I mean, that's hard to say, but, you know, everyone can execute a little bit better. There were a few drop balls here and there, that type of thing. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a touchdown game. I think it's going to be close. And I think that Nebraska could potentially come out rusty after sitting in the locker room for so long in a weather delay last week. So there's that. But, I mean, I think that this, is, this could potentially be a field goal game when you combine Colorado's playing experience already, having a game under their belt, a week of film to watch, and the fact that Nebraska has a bunch of new starters on both sides of the ball, namely a quarterback, which, by the way, is pr probably the most important position on the field in professional sports. So I think this is going to be a field goal game. I know that State Memorial Stadium in Lincoln will be rocking. I know that Nebraska is going to come out ready to play. But I think those two combined things could lead to a very close game between these two sides. Now, as far as the keys to beating Nebraska are concerned, I think the Buffs need to get off to a really hot start again in Lincoln. Remember, this is their first true road game of the year. Yeah, the crowd was split when they were at Bronco Stadium at Sports Authority Field for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, but just seemed like they were more Buffs fans, A, 
And B, Memorial Stadium, like I said earlier in the podcast, is going to be rocking. So if the Buffs can draw first blood, if they can get off to a hot start on offense, maybe make a big stop on defense, then they can take the crowd out of the game a little bit, start to swing the momentum in their favor. And think it's, it's much easier to, for things to start going your way when you get all the momentum early or on the road, in the, especially in the Pac-12 and especially against another Power 5 school. If they're playing an FCS school or something like that, this wouldn't be as important. But I do think that getting off to a hot start on both sides of the ball is something that could be a key to victory. The other thing that... Um, I think will help is important for the Buffs is not to turn the ball over. They had two turnovers against the Rams. One of them was a fumble by Katie Nixon, who is excused because he had a great night. And the other was a pass by quarterback Steven Montez into a tight window. And he also gets excused because the aggression that the Buffs utilized in the showdown was unparalleled. And I loved it. It's it's kind of what helped them run away with the game by the beginning of the fourth quarter. And when you take shots down the field, things happen. So both of those turnovers weren't big deals. But when you're playing in a close game, a fumble can be something that changed the whole complexity and the dynamic of the game. So I think that not turning the ball over is going to be something that's huge for them um, when they travel to Lincoln. So A, getting off to a fast start. B, not turning the ball over. And see being able to limit Nebraska's point total and not let them get into a rhythm. Obviously, they're going to run a very up-tempo, fast offense with Scott Frost calling the plays. But I mean, you you you, you got to limit these big six, you know, chunk plays, if so to speak. These 25, 30-yard gains, even bigger ones that oftentimes end up in the end zone. So I think that that's another thing that the Buffs should try to make sure doesn't happen. Now, in terms of motivating these guys for the rivalry, I know it's been downplayed a little bit. People on the coaching staff haven't really seen it. It's something that's that important considering how none of the players really on either team remember this rivalry. And to be honest, from an emotional standpoint, they, they're, they're less emotionally invested in that aspect of it than the fans. Now, obviously, it's a big game and Players are very invested in that aspect of it. From But as far as their opponent is concerned, I don't really think that the Buffs are going to be that concerned. It doesn't feel have the feel of a Pac-12 rivalry game. It, 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 it has the feel of a renewed, renowned rivalry, but that's only for the fans, like I, like I just said. But in terms of motivating the players, getting them into it, I heard a couple other media members talking about this earlier today. I think that the Buffs are going to try to bring in, well, the coaching staff at least, is going to try to bring in a, a couple guys to maybe give the team a little bit of a pep talk. Now, obviously, Philip Lindsay, being that he's in Denver, could be one of those guys. He's a, he's a heart of the eye of the tiger type guy, and he w- did a good job of hyping the team up the past few years as one of their big leaders and a captain on the team for his senior season, junior season, senior season, that is. So I think he could be an interesting choice. Now, another interesting choice I th- who and a guy I think the Bruffs could bring in is former interim coach Brian Cabral. Now, there's a story from Brian Cabral's tenure in Lincoln, or in Boulder, rather, when they were getting ready to go to Lincoln, where a Denver Post media member came in to his 
the weekly press luncheon wearing a red shirt, a bright red polo shirt. And as sto- the story has it, now this is based off several other media members who were present at the time. I obviously wasn't there. The look on Cabral's face was so angry that it looked like he wanted to jump over the table and punch this guy in the face. So I think a guy who really understands the rivalry could mean a ton for the team. Remember, Cabral's a guy who's in the area, and I think he could kind of give them a sense of hunger and help them understand what this rivalry really means to the program. He could renew it a little bit. He could help them realize that, hey, this is a big game. This is not only just our first FBS opponent, school in the Big Ten, but this is this is a big game for the fans, and this is a big game for the program. This is the, a big game for the future of this program, considering that we're going to be playing these guys many years for many years down the road, especially for those guys who are on the roster and are going to see them for the rest of their CU tenure. So why not try to instill that sense of hunger in them and make them realize what it means? Because having that extra edge going in, into Lincoln with a motive, the, the type of edge that a speaker who experienced this rivalry firsthand could give them, I think that'll be huge. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Ralphie Report podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon. Join us next week for the latest on the CU Buffs or for continuing coverage at ralphiereport.com, a product of SB Nation. One day, January 1st, oh, you like that guy, like you the one picking what guy,